Hello and welcome to Modern Homemakers. I'm Leah Parker and I'm here with Donna Otto, who's been teaching women, wives, homemakers for... Long time, it's 1987. <laughs> do we have to count the no, years? No, that's why I was think, trying to do the math really quick in my head. And no, it's been a while. So it's, it's been good. a while, a joy. And we're here to talk about love, embracing acceptance. Yeah, big word, acceptance. Mm-hmm. So I think I want to ask you like a straight, simple question that's so complicated, you know. Oh. Simple questions mm-hmm. are always the most complicated questions. Because mm-hmm. fill in a little more pronouns and then I then it limits me down. What's your definition of acceptance? Um, acceptance, it's not a simple answer. Like it's, <laughs> that's just what you're, yeah. So acceptance is, I accept you for who you are. I unfortunately think it's been somewhat warped to celebrating an agreement, that acceptance and agreement are the same thing. Oh, quite revealing. So define them separately. What is agreement then? Agreement is that you and I have the same ideas of truth. And so as believers, we believe the truth in the word, but in the world, that gets a little bit fuzzier. That's very interesting. Uh, have you heard the teaching I've done on couples who come to agreement? Mm-mm. Okay, so I'm going to just throw that in right there. Very profound separation. Because if you feel, if I require of, your, of you to accept me to be in agreement with everything I do, wow. So you're nodding. What What does that make you feel like if someone requires that of you? Well, and I think I'm nodding because I think that's why there's so much um, aggravation or anger right now because people have gotten acceptance and agreement confused. Okay, so now I think I've, you told me what agreement is. So acceptance is... Acceptance is I still accept and love you for who you are, for who you are as child of God. Still accept you. You're welcome at my table. You're welcome. We're welcome to have conversation, exchange of ideas, but it doesn't necessarily lead to agreement. Okay, but now if I'm not a child of God, can you accept me? Yes. Oh, okay. But if they still are a child, oh, I guess in the sense of I believe we're all made in God's image. Okay, I agree, but that doesn't make us all children. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's that's a great different differentiation. No differentiation. Um, very interesting. So. In a paragraph, long paragraph, <laughs> um, agreement for married couples, as theologically sound as you can be, mm-hmm. and you know, is there submission in the scripture? Yes. yes. Is there headship in the scripture? Yes. Does that mean you do one excessively or he does one excessively? No, mm-hmm. because that whole passage starts out in 521 which is they are in submission to one another Mm -hmm. so if you and sky were at a business meeting on the same board and you disagreed with him so so what you're a girl he's a but you're not married Mm -hmm. okay so then suddenly we get married and we don't submit to one another that's not what it says Mm -hmm. we are to both be in submission to one another then you have a job and he has a job so what happens when he wants to do it A way, A way, not, not um, like B way, 
or you, and you want to do it C way. Mm-hmm. Not now. We're not talking about. I, you're not talking about creating value on the decisions. No. Right. Difference. Just difference. Difference. What happens in my home? Well, yeah. What happens in your home? Um, typically, when it typically it doesn't get there. We'll start there. My <laughs> husband is not one that rules with an iron fist. Um, and then secondly, you wouldn't have married him if he <laughs> no, did. <laughs> no. Uh, and then secondly, I always fall back on it's ultimately his responsibility. The assigned oh. task that God gave him to be the head of the household, there it carries more weight. It carries more responsibility than the than the role he sent me. He gave me so I can rest in. That's between you and God. And I trust my husband enough that I do think he is seeking out the wisdom that the Lord gives him when he's okay. making those so decisions. did you ever get to one of those places he made a stinky decision? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, her face <laughs> lighted up there. That's so that's the... What happens at the end then when it doesn't work out? Um, we Wait. both suffer the consequence. Okay, but did you in any one of those instances tell him the other way and that would have been the right way and he did the wrong way? Yes. 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 Okay, so two questions. Yeah. How how did you treat him? Like literally, were you mad as a wet hen? Were you I told you so or what? And then how did you resolve it? I was not mad as a wet hen. Um, I mean, I had my own disappointment to deal with, but I, it didn't feel angry. It felt like disappointed, like this didn't have to be this difficult. And then we both had to put our heads down and come together for a solution to write the path that we were on. Nicely said, write the path. She didn't say to fix the thing, mistake he made. <laughs> well, because sometimes mistakes are made and it's like, well, can't undo that. <laughs> well, and that's a very healthy um, response to someone who you trust. And certainly you trust your husband. And certainly he makes mistakes as to you. The other part of it is coming to agreement eliminates that piece. Mm. So how do you get to agreement if you start out in opposition? And this is my most recent, like, I think it's a hysterical example, but it's my most recent example of how David and I have learned and practiced takes time, takes thought, takes prayer, takes energy. So we just finished remodeling this house and the kitchen came last. We were living in the house with it all taped off and now the men are coming to install the kitchen. We were waiting for eight months, okay? And so they're coming, we're so excited, I could just die. And David says, well, I'll put the biscane, the plastic up and I'll do it between the dining room and the kitchen and down the hallway on the far side of the bathroom. There's a powder room there. And I said, no, no, put it on the inside of the powder room because they can't use the bathroom. Yeah. And he said, honey, they have to use the bathroom. And I said, and you can quote me, they cannot poop in my bathroom. <laughs> and And... He just looked at me. He, he, it was one of those incredulous looks, like, what do you expect them to do? And I said, I, I honestly meant it. I don't really care what they do. Like, I, I'm not responsible for their poop. That was, And that dialogue went on for maybe eight or nine minutes. And we have learned that when we can't come to agreement, we have to go away. Mm. So we go away, know it's that time. In that case, we had kind of a time... Um, 
a pressure time. And he said, um, okay. And a couple of days later, when I think right before the guys were really coming, he came back. We had talked about it twice in between, still no resolve. And he came back and he said, so let me understand. You don't want them to poop in the bathroom. I nod, affirmative. I don't want them to have to leave the property to use the facility. We nod in affirmation. He said, well, I think the only thing we can do is rent another porta potty Okay. Now, I would not have thought of renting a porta potty in my life because we had just gotten rid of a porta potty that had been in front of the house for three months at least. But we came to agreement because he got what he wanted and I got what I wanted. And agreement, we said goodbye. That's the end of it then. So when you talk about acceptance and agreement, I hear agreement very differently, but I also hear what you're saying, which is, can I accept who you are Mm -hmm. as you are Mm -hmm. without holding you hostage? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really, I use that word rather strong word, but I really think that's it. Because if you don't believe the way I believe, if you don't think the way I think, if you don't agree with the fact that I have just described to you what someone has done and that is dreadfully wrong and you say, what's wrong with that? I think, how can I accept a person who's so different from me? So that's what we're going to talk about today because it's the love factor and of course not our love but God's love that helps us to do that. Remind me to tell you something like wave a flag at me in a few minutes because I want to be sure to tell a story about someone's acceptance. This is John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. I read that, Leah, and I have to tell you, the idea that I will ever recline at the table with Jesus Mm. just makes my heart go pitter-patter. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, parenthesis, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said, this is not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what he had put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will have with you always, but you do not always have me. Now, here were two people, rather large and in charge people, Jesus and Judas. I don't think Judas began to understand how large and in charge he was not. To embrace the acceptance of his love, others' foibles, what Judas saw Mary doing was a foible to him. Consequences and circumstances... I don't know, I could project what I think the consequences are, that he has less to play with in the money pot, or he's certainly going to get everyone on his side because we want to take care of the poor. Beyond our control, it was beyond his control 
the nard came out she began the process it was already down the highway before he could even say anything gives us the ability to demonstrate love and they will know us by our love now i think that story is often told with the emphasis on being mary's love and it's certainly evidence of that but i i like to think of it in some ways about mary's love to do it and why and judas's opposition I'm always about practicality, which I can link to a principle. If we say love Jesus, if we say we love Jesus and cannot love one another, well, is that possible that we don't love Jesus? If we say we love Jesus and have trouble in relationships, is it possible we don't love Jesus or we haven't learned how to have good relationship? If we say we love Jesus and do not keep his commandments. You see, we cannot love God And I think we don't love God as we can because we love ourselves too much. That's a Donna Otto parenthesis there. We cannot love God if we are doing the opposite of what his love would call us to do. The heart, person, life of faith has has to be compared with, with something that opens and closes. A house, a doorways, hallways, rooms always make me think of that opening and closing and that always makes me laugh because I so often walk through an open door just because I saw it I've told the story before but I was speaking at a large I was speaking for a large organization in a very large hotel and my picture was plastered up inside the elevators. Mm-hmm. But we were not the only guests in this very large hotel. And so I got onto the elevator and somebody started talking and acknowledging who I was. And then the door opened. And when the door opened, I got off, like swooped out with my bag and walked into the eighth floor thinking I had walked into the lobby. And I thought to myself, just because the door opens does not mean that I should get off the elevator. Just because something happens that makes me annoyed, or as you said, a decision a loved one makes that was wrong, I'm a little less gracious than you are. Of course, we have very different personality styles. And I... I, when I was a young woman your age, I would want to rip his head off first. Now, I, I would say that. I wouldn't rip his head off, but I would want to. Because, like, are you not listening? Could you not have taken... And I don't know what your situation was with Sky, but I, I've had that happen with David and myself, where I clearly said the right thing. It turned out that I was clearly right. Now, being right is important to me, and we've talked about that recently. Less being right and more being relational, and I think you did that, Leah. We often give up on people, even on ourselves, because we cannot accept the fact that God's love embraces me no matter what I do. No matter what I do. Does he like the sin? No. Does he like me? Yes. Does he love me? Yes. He cannot, in the nature of God, stop loving me because I've done something that's not pleasing to him. And I think the heart of this is it takes trust in his voice 
and in the fact that he accepts me. He, he never quits. He never gives up on me. He never, never stops accepting me, no matter what I do. I think that's so lofty and so unusual and takes a great bit of time to get to the fact that you want to be an individual, a man, a woman, a child, who understands the word of acceptance as Christ does. It's a noun. It has three separate meanings. The act of taking or receiving something offered. I give you this gift, and you receive it. You accept it. The police officer gives you a ticket, and you don't throw it on the ground. You receive it in your hand and accept it. But what's going on inside of your heart? The second acceptance definition is a positive welcome and belonging, like I favor you or I endorse you. Endorsement. Now, there's a word we use a lot these days, don't we? And the third is the act of believing or assenting. I agree with you. I accept you and I agree with you. That doesn't mean they they can be separate. There are times when they're separated, but that's a definition of it. Approval and acceptance. Acceptance is treating what happens, the actual event, no matter what it is, which is the outcome of all the combined previous events, as on the balance of the best outcome. And I think it's hard for us to look for the best outcome because we're in the middle of a place of outcomes, pieces of the outcome. Acceptance typically can some account, some concept, some form of a concept of approval. It does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you you separated for a moment when you were talking that uh, it's someone who, a child of God. And I think when we do interface with people who have the same common beliefs, it tends to have a different focus on what we expect Mm. Not what what we accept, but what we expect. The opposite of acceptance is resistance. When you tell your children to clean up, they resist. They don't accept. Yes, mother, I'll go do that. Elizabeth Elliot, who who trained a lot of us in some ways, things that we probably shouldn't have begun doing because she was from a different era and the way we had learned to take care of children was different. But she required that she say, yes, mama, I will do that. Now, that's okay as long as you can get to the place where that child has an opportunity to say, but I don't want to, because that's the honest, authentic relationship you're trying to build with your children. The acceptance prayer or the serenity prayer, which is often used in the third step of AA, and I just want to read a, a phrase of this to you, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think the wisdom to know the difference is often a part of understanding that we can accept ourselves, expect different things of ourselves than we can of someone else. So if I begin a friendship with you and I expect you to behave in a certain way, 
And if you don't, then I can't accept you. Then our relationship, our friendship can't go too far. So John 10, 1 tells us that I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter by the sheep pen, by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. So I think there are a couple of phrases that we might add to the word um, acceptance. There's self-acceptance. It's an agreement you make with yourself. I remember reading the Avonlea Anne of Green Gables, and she said that the promises she makes to herself are more important than the promises she makes to anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I can remember as a young woman thinking about that and reading it to my daughter and explaining it to her. Why would that be important, more important, Mama, than someone who I've told I'm going to do something? Well, because that's within you how you learn to live your life, and then you can handle others who don't live that way or decide what kind of relationship you're going to have with people like that. We grow in a bed of acceptance. If you say, my kids are not growing in relationships, my husband and I are not growing in relationship. In many religions of the world, acceptance, surrender, voluntary submission is the way it is. But in Christianity, there is an acceptance of Jesus. We grow in a bed of acceptance. When we live in a hostile environment, when we live with someone who is hostile toward us, who doesn't agree with anything we agree with, we cannot grow and mature. I think of this so often in the mother-children relationship. Children get in that stage of life, whatever stage it is, where they've got to find out for themselves. And they try things, young and old. I want to see if I can hide the broccoli in my pocket, because I don't like broccoli. I'm going to see if I can sneak the car out, because I'm 14 and I don't have a driver's license, but I know how to drive. We, we push the limits, and that pushes the relationship. And it's a very thin line that says, I accept you because you are my son, but I don't approve of what you just did. Now, in words, that's easy. But then how is it you act it out? Um, First, I think in relationships, we have to be careful that we enter in through the right doors, that we enter by the door and enjoy the security of the room that we've in. When we first begin a relationship, it, it isn't stretching out to everything. It's just stretching out. Uh, in, a, in a short space. I've said this many times in the years of teaching that there are people who are your curb people, there are people who are your front porch people, there are people who are your living room people, or even your kitchen people. But there are very few people who are your bedroom people. And so that relationship moves. And if it doesn't get past the front porch, it's okay. It's okay, because I'm a very intense person, and anyone who has listened to us for a very long time knows that. I have stretched the um, moments of, uh, of how many people I'd like to be in my intimate circle. How many people? Well, remember as a young woman, I thought we were always supposed to be in the intimate relationships with everyone. Part of that was because I was a talker. 
I was also a loose talker. So if I was hurting or having a problem, I wanted to have whoever was next to me receive that conversation, pat me, probably not tell me what to do, but pat me and say, you poor baby. But the truth was, that wasn't what I needed. And there was no way that I could possibly be in relationship with everyone that was intimate. That was a hard lesson for me to learn. Accepting that Christ is, first of all, my first and dearest confidant. And secondly, that in my understanding of what it means to give acceptance and receive it, I reduce the number of people that will be in my various circles. So I reduce that number significantly uh, by who are and who are not men and women who walk in faith. I would never have someone in my intimate spaces who I would be telling my intimate heartbreaks or exuberances who didn't think like I did with regard to God, Mm -hmm. didn't have a personal relationship with Christ, because everything that comes through my filter is filtered in that. So I think that this whole story of Mary and Judas and what she did um, by bringing the alabaster vial full of nard, which was very expensive, was to later be a reminder to us that she was really preparing him for what was to come, which was the death and resurrection, the death and crucifixion. Having just come through the Easter season and in the middle of the weeks that follow it, what happened to the disciples after the resurrection, the road to Emmaus, all of these marvelous encounters that people have, the transfiguration. I was just reading in Luke 9, for whatever reason, and the transfiguration portion of the passage starts with, and he went away. He was with Peter, James, and John, and he, Jesus, went away to be quiet. And then when he came back, he was transfigured. Hmm. Like It touched me so deeply because I thought, in all the ways that we are called to stay close with him, to stay tight with him, here he was about to be transfigured, and he went away. He went away to be quiet with his father, with the God of the universe. So I say to you today, is there someone or something that you cannot accept? Is there a piece of your life that you cannot accept? There's a marvelous song called Gentle Savior, and one of the lines in in the song says, why is it that my history is so hard to forget and forgive? He's talking about his own life. Why is it that some of our history is so hard to accept and go on with life as Christ has called us? He has buried it from as far as the east is from the west and as deep as the ocean. But we have a harder time in acceptance. Amy Carmichael, who's certainly one of my heroes of the faith, she was um, English-born and bred, came from a very influential and wealthy family, and had a relationship with Christ that caused her to leave all of that and leave England as a single woman and go to India, where she spent the remainder of her life, decades of her life. 
the last two decades of her life she spent in bed. And what this one woman did in India, what she felt called to do, was to save the women child, the birth of a woman, a child, a girl, the gender of a woman, because they were being discarded in favor of men. And in her last days, she wrote this piece. I'm going to read the whole thing. It'll take about 90 seconds, but I hope that you will listen to these five phrases. In acceptance lieth peace, not in forgetting lieth peace, not in endeavor lieth peace, not in aloofness lieth peace, not in submission lieth peace, in acceptance lieth peace by Amy Carmichael. He said, I will forget the dying faces, the empty places. They shall be filled again. O voices moaning deep within me, cease. But vain the word, vain, vain. Not in forgetting lieth peace. He said, I will crowd action upon action. The strife of faction shall stir me and sustain. O tears that drown the fire of manhood, cease. But vain the word, vain, vain, not in endeavors, lieth peace. He said, I will accept me and be quiet. Why meddle in life's riot? Shut be my door to pain. Desire thou dost befool me, thou shalt cease. But vain the word, vain, not in aloofness, lieth peace. He said, I will submit, I am defeated. God hath depleted my life of its rich gain. O futile murmurings, why will ye not cease? But feign the word vain, not in submission lieth peace. He said, I will accept the breaking sorrow, which God tomorrow will to his son explain. Then did the turmoil deep within me cease, not vain the word, not vain, for in acceptance lieth peace. Wow, thank you. We are Modern Homemakers, and we would love to stay in touch with you if you're enjoying what you're hearing here. Please go to the podcast and um, fill out the form under Contact Us so that we have a chance to communicate with you. And as always, we um, at Modern Homemakers want to remind you that it is the common begin and the uncommon finish. So go out and make today uncommon by embracing acceptance. Oh.